Hello, graduates of Golden Wonton Chinese Restaurant and Orphanage. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares. We, we suffer the consequences of those dares for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and in the words of the great philosopher Respucia Lattimore, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. <laughs> Perfect, perfect Respucia impression. Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate those movies on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we give that a dare. A double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare rating for a despised movie that we think is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy and... Eddie Murphy? In Brian Ryman's 2007 comedy, Norbit. Nailed it. We're also going to read a couple movie dares sent in by our listeners, and we offer some final thoughts on recent episodes. But before we get started, Daniel's going to tell us about that wicka wicka what? Not a beer we're drinking today. Not beer, but it comes from a brewery. Corky, a lot of breweries these days are roasting coffees. They are breweries and roasteries. A lot of breweries are opening an additional arm as a roastery. Uh, Modern Times wasn't the first to do it, but they kind of popularized it just because they were so good at both the beer and the coffee. And now you see a lot more places doing it. We have coffee today that we are drinking. It's a little early in the morning, so we figure coffee, not beer, and coffee, coffee. This is the first roast from Chapman Crafted Coffee. This is an outlet of Chapman Crafted Beer which is from Orange, California. This is literally their first roast. It is a single-origin Guatemalan coffee. It is made through the wash process. Corky, how do you like your Chapman coffee? This is delicious. This is a nice little Guatemalan roast. It's good. It's really good. Nice, subtle flavors. The bitterness is really rounded out. Those cocoa flavors are nice and rounded. And then it's got some kind of tropical sort of fruity notes in there. But nothing is... Out of out of the kind of it all harmonizes in a yeah, really nice way. It's not too dark. It's not it's it's not one of those robust coffees. It's a nice, not too bitter, but just bitter enough light coffee. Yeah. So oh. that is Chapman Coffee Guatemalan first roast coffee that we are recommending. Some other uh, Bear Bottle, which I believe we've had some of their beer on here before. Yeah. That San Francisco brewery. They've also opened a roastery. Dionysius Brewing, which is a really great brewery out of Bakersfield. So more and more of these places are doing it. I don't think anyone in the Sacramento area is doing it yet, but it seems like just a matter of time. Sure. Before we get into listener dares, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about previous episodes. If we got any thoughts on the last episode, Dan, I am spent on Velocipaster. Do yeah. you have anything? I got literally nothing. You got literally, literally nothing. nothing. I have no more thoughts on that movie, and I don't ever want to think about it again. <laughs> it is just so like... You're either with it or you're not, yeah. and I was not, and you were, and God yeah. bless it. So, that being said, how about Love on a Leash? Love on a Leash, I still have a million things about Love on a Leash. I will never stop talking about Love on a Leash. Right. I just want everyone to know that right now. This is a Love on a Leash podcast now. That's your new reality, <laughs> and just like come to fucking terms with it, okay? Like, just deal with it. We, we, we got out of our Love Actually contract, <laughs> we just transferred it to Love on a Leash. <laughs> this is a lifetime deal, baby. <laughs> I am going to talk about this on my way to the grave, okay? I'm going to be in the hospital on my deathbed. Last final words. It's going to be about love on a leash. <laughs> um, no, what I just think is, is one of my thoughts about this movie was just that 
you know, when we 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 talked earlier. Or, so one thing I was thinking is last year when we were watching the Ron Howard, Robert Langdon, Tom Hanks films, and something we talked about Ron Howard is that he's just a very perfunctory director, right? A western, his westerns look like westerns, his comedies look and sound like comedies. It's what you would call filmmaking 101, right? Like you think that's just the basic level of filmmaking. He understands it. He understands composition. He understands lighting. He understands basic story construction and how to build a scene and how to do all these kind of basic things. But it's perfunctory. It's filmmaking 101. What we get in Live on a Leash is filmmaking 001. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is a camera. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Here's editing equipment. See ya. I'm out. That's it. This is it is the most basic kind of level of filmmaking and that's why it's just kind of fascinating. It's, been, it's really interesting as we talked in the last episode oh yeah. that she was actually in the AFI program and has actual uh, apparently like studied film which right, right. <laughs> you would never think that watching that movie that that person had ever studied film or seen a film. I've been posting social media. I've been posting stills of the title shot from the movie right. where there's a dog on a rock by the pond. Crucial to get that pond in Is there. this a water pond or it's one of the other pond. types of ponds? <laughs> but you would not know there's a dog in that shot unless you really focus in on that shot. <laughs> I know, right? It's, just, it's basic. It just so bad. That's your title shot of the movie. You don't even know there's a movie. What's but, happening uh, in it? Yeah, no idea. The other thought was just that as we were talking last week in the Velocipaster episode about actor Robert Lanza, and I, I posted a video in the Love on a Leash post, if you go back to that, episode 57, I believe. Yes. Uh, I posted this interview with Robert Lanza where he talks about his experiences working on Love on a Leash. He's the guy who played Frank with the the overbearing mother. I talked about how he was in Fight Club. So it just did. So I'm just disappointed in us that we did not get a My Name is Alvin Flang chant going, a la Fight Club's his name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not angry at us. I'm just disappointed. Just disappointed. So, sure. That's it. So now, Corky, let's read a couple of our listener dares. Our amazing listeners have been sending these to us via the social media. It's what I call the schmied. Mm. I have some people call it the social I I. That's too long. Who calls it the Sochmead? <laughs> people are calling it that. People call, are saying. <laughs> people are people saying. People are saying the Sochmead. Sochmead. I think that's way too long. Too much. Schmied. 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 So they're hitting us up on the Schmied, mm-hmm. the, sh- the sh- face schmuck, and the Schmitter, and the <laughs> Schmickdin. <laughs> Who's hitting us up, Dan? <laughs> Deeple. Deeple. Not, not the people. Deeple. Our Schmissners. <laughs> Schmissners. Our beloved Schmissners. Flissners, followers, and listeners. But yes, you've been sending these to us on the social media. You've been going to daredanda.com and going and hitting the submitted dare link and submitting DMs these dares. DMs we've been to getting. We're getting the DMs. You're sliding into our DMs. Yeah. That's a little aggressive. I'm not into it. Slidems. Slidems, as I call them. <laughs> so our first dare comes to us from Ben Parker, which I don't believe this is a wormhole dare. Ben. Uh, Spider-Man's it, uncle's not named Ben Parker, is No. He? Okay, <laughs> like, that can't be. No, that's right. Yeah, his name is not Ben Parker. Yeah. So anyway, this comes from real person. Real person Ben Parker. What does Ben Parker want us to, to watch? He dares us to watch Evan Almighty. Corky, Evan Almighty. This is the 2007 sequel to Bruce Almighty. It stars Steve Carell, who played a minor character in Bruce Almighty, which was a big hit. This movie was not a big hit. 
but it's just a tiny little movie, right? Like just uh, it was the made it for a few pennies or something like that. Incorrect. It is one of the most expensive films ever made. Are you fucking kidding? One me? of the biggest budget movies of all time. One hundred and seventy-five million in two thousand seven dollars to make Evan Almighty, directed by Tom Shadyak. Why does Ben Parker want us to watch this film? He says because it handles its dark subject matter. God having somebody build an ark to put himself, his family, and the world's animals on again before he floods the world a second time. I'm serious. That's actually what this movie is about. So badly that it winds up being one of the most appalling children's movies I've ever seen. Therefore, you guys have to watch it. Sincerely, Ben of CoolCatStudio.net. That's Cool Cat Ben. Yeah. Uh, daring us to watch Evan Almighty IMDb synopsis. God contacts Congressman Evan Baxter and tells him to build an ark in preparation for a great flood. Quirky, have you seen Evan Almighty? No, but the thing I appreciate about it, appreciate about Evan Almighty is that it was so necessary. Right. It just really was so necessary to tell that story. <laughs> that was a rehash of the Bruce Almighty kind of story <laughs> and Noah's Ark. With a minor character in the movie. Yeah. Uh, in the first film. Now the main character, and also he's not a newsman anymore. He's a congressman. <laughs> They just threw a bunch of (laughs) shit together. How's this? Also, this is going to cost 200 million fucking dollars. That's nuts. That's so insane. It's just all of the animal special effects and animal wrangling. Did you watch Bruce Almighty? Have you seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah, I saw Bruce Almighty. I mean, it's a totally fine. Yeah, it's it's what it is. And to be fair, Steve Carell is Is, like the highlight of the film. He has a great bit where he's on TV and can't talk and does a great Steve Carell sort of a bit. But that, I mean, then you put that guy in Congress. Obviously, people saw that and had faith in him, said, I want that man representing us. That guy who had a meltdown. (laughs) Very electable. Very electable. So, yes, that is Evan Almighty. Thank you very much to Ben Parker, not Spider-Man's uncle, a real person for the dare. Thank you, Ben. Our next dare came to us from the ghost of Bull McCaffrey. Now, yeah. I'm assuming this mm. is a wormhole dare. It, it has sort of a wormholeish smell. This is this is one of our dares me. that we get from actual characters in movies. Sure. Or ghosts. Or, it, so this is not actually the wormhole, it's the wormhole afterlife. <laughs> it's a big wormhole. The ghost of Bull McCaffrey dared us backdraft two. This 2019 straight-to-VOD sequel to uh, the 1991 film Backdraft, that's see how they named that, mm. is directed by Gonzalo Lopez Gallego, stars Joe Anderson, William Baldwin, and Donald Sutherland. <laughs> Why did the ghost of Bull McCaffrey Darius wormhole, uh, Backdraft 2? He says, guys, they made a sequel to a terrible Ron Howard movie. As soon as I wrote that, I realized it's too broad of a category. The movie in question is Backdraft 2, Backdraftier. In this sequel, my adult son is now an arson investigator with the Chicago Fire Department. Much like his old man, he's a lone wolf with fire running in his veins. Billy Baldwin reprises his role as my brother again, only this time he's Uncle Assistant Deputy Fire Commissioner Brian McCaffrey. The plot concerns some kids that die in a fire on Halloween. Turns out this fire may have been set by some terrorists as a diversion to steal missiles. (laughs) Wait, that can't be right. Hold on. Yeah, it is. Good luck with that. What? <laughs> Fucking hell. I mean, they had to make it, right? But, uh, Necessary sequels is the theme of the day. IMDb synopsis of this film, uh, in quotation marks. The sequel to the 1991 hit follows an investigator with the Chicago FD who has to track down an arms dealer who uses deadly fires as a distraction. So, yeah, that there it is. Backdraft, too. You haven't seen it, I assume. <laughs> Have you seen Backdraft? Yeah, I've seen Backdraft a Did long like Backdraft? time ago. 
Huh? It's a Ron Howard movie. It is. Uh, it was one of those movies, I think I was what, 13, 14. Yeah, 90, 90 91. Maybe? Yeah, so 14. Yeah. And uh, it was like, I assume this is good because it's got the people and it's got the themes right. and people say it's good. But I don't remember being grabbed by it. I didn't really. I I don't like those. It, it reminded me of like a Tony Scott film. I didn't sure. like a lot of those kind of like Top Gunny. It's like sweaty men in a hard profession. I have a fucking erection. <laughs> did I did I drift off on a tangent there? Yeah, that was awesome. Woo! Did you like Backdraft, Dan? No. Okay, because you don't like Ron Howard. Because he makes bad movies. <laughs> Why is it not a personal thing against him? It's a, a, the movies. Yeah, sorry. You don't like Ron Howard movies. Generally speaking, I do not. And this is one of his, uh, again, just mediocre, perfunctory efforts. Uh, it's just nothing special about the movie. Yeah, it does have a great cast. De Niro's in it. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Obvs. Uh, All people I like to watch. Billy Baldwin. One of your top three Baldwins. Yeah, right. <laughs> of the Baldwins... <laughs> I, I actually I'd put him in top two. I, yeah, I mean I'm saying he's at least top three. Yes, because obviously you have a, a bottom. <laughs> you have a, you have a floor. To I like ball. Alec Baldwin so much. <laughs> his characters and his roles, sure. and maybe a little bit of his personality, but he is some DNA, some DNA shakeups away from being a chimp, <laughs> from being Daniel or Stephen. That's kinda, he's got to thank God. He's got to believe in the God because he's got to thank him every day that he's not those two. <laughs> You know how bad it can be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, the oh, ghost yeah. of Bull McCaffrey, for the dare. Thank you, ghost. And now, our feature presentation. Norbit. Dared to us by Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. Wolf. A great follower on uh, social media. On the Shmeed. Sh- on the Shmeed. <laughs> Just shorten it. You're wasting time. So, uh, Mr. Positivity Wolfie T, he's dared us a lot of movies. This one we picked out of the hat. This is the first one that we actually, yes. we, we dialed it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, his dare goes like this. Norbit is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen, but I only know about five people who have actually seen it. When I saw it in the theater, my friend and I were the only ones there. When I mention it to people, I get eye rolls, groans, sarcastic laughs, and the most common comment is, that movie sucks, I haven't seen it. No other movie podcast would dare touch this one, not even the one I co-host. And we'll link to that podcast in the show, whatever it is called. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I hate to burst your bubble of positivity, Mr. Positivity, and you really are Mr. Positivity. You are. And I really hate to do this. I hate to come in and just be like, this guy sees the world in a positive light. Um, But you now know seven people Mm -hmm. who have seen Norbit, and at least one of them hates you. (laughs) So I just hate to burst that bubble, but it's I got to be real with you. I'm not going to go that far, but I swear I will not say that movie sucks, dot, dot, dot. I haven't seen it. I will say that movie sucks, dot, dot, dot. You don't even need the dot, 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 period. (laughs) That's right. End the sentence. (laughs) We're shortening things down today? Sentence over. (laughs) IMDb synopsis, a mild-mannered guy who is married to a monstrous woman meets the woman of his dreams and schemes to find a way to be with her. That's not really, I don't think that's really accurate. Norbit. Norbit sees Eddie Murphy, of course, return to the kind of clump-style character work that he did in the Nutty Professor's film. He's under these mounds and mounds of latex. He has three different roles. We will get to that. You kind of look at this movie and these movies that Eddie was making around this time, and you think, well, this is probably just another paycheck for him, right? Someone just threw a blank check at him and said, do this horrible thing. But 
He actually co-wrote right. and co-produced this film, and he does not have a lot of writing and producing credits in his career. And the ones that he does have, you're like, what? Right. That's the thing you're passionate about? Boomerang? Yeah. That's the one that, that's the the story you were burning to tell? That one? Okay, cool. So yeah, this, uh, he did co-write the film along with his brother Charlie and a couple other people. R.I.P. Film co-stars Tandy Newton, Terry Crews, Cuba Gooding Jr., and both Eddie Griffin and Cat Williams, which is pointless. You're burying the lead, though. <laughs> this movie also sees Marlon Wayans in a star turn. I was gonna get to it, yes. I'm constantly trying to bury Marlon Wayans. The film was directed by Brian Robbins. Does that name sound familiar? He previously made a little film called Ready to Rumble. Hey! hey oh, this guy has mad chops. <laughs> uh, sorry, bad chops. Bad, that should just say bad chops. Sorry. This was actually the first of three collaborations between Brian Robbins and Eddie Murphy. The next two were Meet Dave and A Thousand Words. The film did receive an Oscar nomination for Best Makeup. Rick Baker. I could see that. I mean, the guy. <laughs> I can, listen, I, John Williams didn't write the scripts for the Star Wars prequels, but he did great work yes. in the Star Wars prequels. He has no control over that. Nope. Rick Baker did an amazing job with the makeup, and I can't remember the other guy who was credited. Um, but it did get an Oscar nomination. However, Eddie Murphy also won the Razzie for Worst Actor. Worst Supporting Actor and Worst Supporting Actor. Oh, they did a thing. Lost Worst Picture and Worst Screen Couple to Lindsay Lohan in I Know Who Killed Me. Film was released on February 9th, 2007 in a little over 3,000 theaters. Had a $60 million budget. Did good. Wasn't a blockbuster or anything. Grossed $95 million domestically. $160 million international. Not a hit with the critics. Nine on Rotten Tomatoes. 53 from the audience. 27 from the critics on Metacritic. And the film is often blamed for torpedoing Eddie Murphy's chances of winning the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Dreamgirls because ads for Norbit started showing around the same time that ballots went out for uh, the Oscars. If that affects your judgment, you're fucking stupid. Well, yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> if people say that that's what caused it, people are stupid. I think we're, we're learning a lot of truths today. <laughs> I don't think people are stupid for saying it caused. I think people are stupid for being influenced by that and also for that's even considering to give any awards to Dreamgirls. Yes, exactly. So that's why you're stupid. Yeah. Scott Tobias in the AV Club with his usual just keen level-headed perspective said, quote, it probably isn't possible for a single movie to reverse all social progress made since the civil rights era, but Norbit, the latest broadside from Eddie Murphy, does its best to turn back the clock. Yikes. Probably a little overkill. Yeah, yikes. Not what you would call just any thoughtful kind of thing. But although I was, as I was looking, a more recent article from the AV Club <laughs> linked at the bottom of that review had the headline, quote, this Oscar season has been a bigger disaster than Iowa. What? <laughs> you just pull words at random and just say, like, what is your perspective on anything happening in the world ever? Uh, quirky. Yeah. You remember last week, uh, Veloci or you remember in our previous episode, Velocipaster. Yeah. Uh, just a real kind of bargain basement movie. It was, it was what it was. It yeah. was going for what it was going for, and you were either on it or you weren't. You were on it. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Did you like this absolutely dreadful on funny comedy, <laughs> or have you finally come to your senses? This movie was a pain 
to watch. And I watched it, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I watched it for free on TBS. Oh, it, okay. It was a and it came to the point where Wait, I was TBS. Yeah. It's like an R rated movie. Was it a Oh no, it It was all It was all, all in. I all saw right. everything. <laughs> I was I was getting to the point where I was like, oh, thank God, a commercial break. <laughs> it was like I was <laughs> anticipating and hoping. I started taking notes on the commercials. Ooh, Campbell's soup. <laughs> yeah. Stock up. Jake from State Farm. Good. <laughs> Why did they change Jake? I don't know. I started taking notes on that shit. The big thing I, I don't get about this movie, I hated it. Yeah. The big thing I don't get is who is this movie for? It's got the comedy of children, of like seven-year-olds. Yeah. However, very angry and dark and... The language is all over the place. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a prude. I don't give a shit about language. But is it geared for kids or not? Yeah. Because I couldn't I couldn't imagine an adult laughing at the things that happen in this. But at the same time, the movie is just so, so offensive that there's no way you would ever want your child to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't show this kid and be like, this is a good movie. There you go, kiddo. You gotta Waste find the, here's here's something that'll kill some time. Like for you. porn in the woods. You gotta find <laughs> this movie and then not talk about it with your parents. You yeah. gotta like and then 20 years later, you're like, no. Did you know I used to watch Norbit? <laughs> like, honey, if you need to talk about it, we can talk about it. It does strike me that this movie is is maybe, I don't know, like a secular Medea mm. kind of. And there's even like Medea's catchphrase is hallelujah. Oh. And uh, Rasputin's catchphrase is how you dir. I. Like there's, there's a lot of like... Let's be a dirty Medea. Like, yes. There's no. There's no Medea's not going to try to redeem anybody or anything. So I thought I, I'll just give credit where credit's due. I think Eddie Murphy, the guy goes for broke. 100%. I'm going to make a. I'm going to make a, a sports analogy here. Okay. And as a cisgender white male, you have to agree with me. That is the law. Uh huh. I have nine one one on standby. I have right to now. either agree or bring up stats that that, <laughs> that back was- up my position. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is the classic putting up great stats on a bad team guy. Yeah. He's great in this. Sure. It's, it's a physical and vocal performance. He goes for broke in three roles. The makeup is amazing. Yeah. The material is complete garbage. Right. Garbage. Like, so bad. And he can't do anything with it, really. No. He's great, but there's not, he's not doing anything that's particularly funny. There's basically one joke. Rasputia, which is Eddie Murphy, as a woman, as a large woman, she is fat. Mm-hmm. That is the joke. That's it. It gets repeated over and over in non-variations throughout the entire movie, and few, if any, of them are funny. And the movie is, it's chaotic, it's frenetic, but it's never doing itself any favors. It still feels slow, despite all of the chaos that's going around. And mostly, as you were alluding, sad and mean. Mm-hmm. Just mean, angry, <laughs> awful sort of a movie. Um, God, and you can see every goddamn punchline coming down the pipe. <laughs> Corgi, the 2017 Astros were not tipped off to pitches the way that the audience for Norbit is tipped off to punchlines. That it like cisgender white male references. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into it. So, as we said, Eddie Murphy plays three characters in this movie. He plays Norbit, who is just a a nice schlub. He's a loser. He's been a loser his entire life. There's Rasputia, who is also Eddie Murphy. She is just a large ball of, I don't know, just destruction. She's basically 
the Raiders of the Lost Ark boulder come to life. Yeah. Like she just tears through everything and everyone. She's loud. She's aggressive. She's angry. She hates everyone and everything. I was going to say she's a bully, but almost everybody in this movie Everyone's are a bully, bullies. right? Yeah, yeah, except for Norbit. Except for Norbit and Kate. And even Kate kind of bullies Norbit in one oh. thing, but we'll get to that. And then he also plays... Mr. Mr. Wong. Wong. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, this is where you see Rick Baker really earned that Oscar nom. Because yes. Eddie Murphy kind of disappears into oh, this. Oh, he it's, does. It's not like the Eddie Murphy white guy thing from Saturday Night Live where it just looked like Eddie Murphy with white skin. Right. It's not like white chicks. Like the whole <laughs> movie's built on a premise that anybody would believe these are two white girls. He disappears into that character, right. you know? Yeah. It's not until he talks or the lines he utters that you're like, oh, that's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, there. and that's really awful But, stuff. oh my God. So, so ugly. So ugly. So yeah, Norbit, he is your title character, but he is also your narrator. So the movie starts in 1968, and he is saying that he got left at this orphanage, but he knows that his parents probably took a long time picking out this orphanage in a very loving sort of a way. And then we see what actually happened, which was that they didn't even stop the car. They just threw the baby, out, the the baby out the door on the steps of the Golden Wonton, an orphanage and working Chinese restaurant run by Mr. Wong, which is Eddie Murphy again in yellow face. And holy, holy <laughs> shit. No. No. I can't. <laughs> it's uh, it's mind-boggling it, that so it, they're like, you know what? Let's put all this effort into this. Into this. And, and deliver this product. Yeah. And... Mr. Wong, of course, speaks in the most stereotypical Asian kind of patois. Yeah. He sees the baby and he says, another brack one. All of his L's are R's. I mean, oh, jeez, fuck, it's just awful. I'm so tired of voiceover openings, VO openings. I'd rather have a VD opening (laughs) than a VO opening. The (laughs) The Golden Wonton restaurant is also one of these inexplicably like roadside Chinese restaurants that you always see on some remote road. There's just a Chinese restaurant. Where it doesn't make any sense. That's like the one place I can. But it's shoot. also next to this like town too. Oh, it doesn't make any. sense. They use that set that lot right. so fucking much. Yeah, that back lot really gets a workout. <laughs> oh my god. So, Quirky, let me ask you this because I was kind of thinking about this. So, sure. uh, coming to America, uh, are you a fan of coming to America? It's okay. It's over long. Yeah, sure. But in Coming to America, of course, there's a famous bit where Eddie Murphy does kind of the same thing. He plays several different characters, and one of them is a Jewish yeah, man, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Why is one okay and not okay, or or is one okay and not okay? I, I was thinking about this, and, and, and I think that in Coming to America, it's sort of transgressive, because you have this long history of Jewish mm. performers and Jewish comedians doing blackface, and and having that as part of their, part of their act. And Eddie was sort of turning the tables on that. You know what I mean? There's nothing turning the tables on anything here. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, this is just racist ass shit. There's no real, like, levels of commentary of, like, oh, wow, this is, like, actually, Eddie's really pushing the envelope. You're like, no, he's, like, closing the envelope and crumpling it up. Also, in Coming to America, it's just an old Jewish guy hanging out in a black barbershop. He's not, like, penny pinching. He's not, like, stereotypical Jew. He's not eating borscht in Norbit. He's an old Asian man who hates everybody else is racist against Jews and black people runs a Chinese restaurant, going to open a dry cleaners. You know what I'm saying? Like he plays on stereotypes in this one. Every fucking one in there. Yeah. 
Anyway, Mr. Wong, he also has an enthusiasm for throwing harpoons. That won't come up again until the end of the movie. <sighs> so just file that away for no fucking reason. But Norbit, uh, we kind of get into his childhood a little bit. He's a, lo- a lonely kid. He's Again, he's just kind of a loser. His only friend is Kate. Is this little girl, and it shows them doing all these things together. She's the Jenny to his forest. Exactly. And there's like, we did this together, we did this together, and we even poop together. And you see them pooping and holding hands, these kids. And it's just like, what's the joke there? Yeah, right? I don't like it. It's just so, everything in this movie is so pathologically unclever. Right. It's so, like, just. Oh, man. Because the stories by Chetty, Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy. I was calling Chetty because we're short and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Chetty Chirphy. Uh, they ampersand together and and then two other people right. ampersand together. So they were the ones handling the jokes, I'm assuming. And the other people were like, no, we have to have some <laughs> storyline that involves <laughs> Cuba getting Jr. and the Lattimore's. So Kate's his only friend. They even have this like mock wedding under a tree when they're kids. They pledge their love forever. But two weeks later, she gets adopted. And right. Norbit is all alone again. He's getting bullied by these uh, like ginger kids. Are, are, are redheaded twins ever good? <laughs> no, no. There's just something about redheaded twins. <laughs> even the Weasley twins were a little yeah, off, right? I was, I was glad one of them died, to <laughs> be honest. Like, <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> But he's getting bullied, but he gets saved. Saved by this very large girl, which is just a girl at this mm-hmm. point, just a, an actress, named Rasputia. And she takes him home to her three scary brothers, and they serve him turkey ass. So let me ask you this, Dan. Sure. Why is Rasputia an orphan? <laughs> Why did she rescue him at the orphanage? <sighs> She's got. She lives with her brothers. I know it. Does, that's never really brought up. I like to think that Mr. Wong actually gave her back to her actual brothers <laughs> after they tried to get rid of her. Oh yeah, the turkey ass. That's going to come back. Turkey ass. That's just a bit. He's eating a turkey ass, and he's fine with it. So the Lattimore is uh, this is Respucia Lattimore. She's got her three big brothers, and they essentially. They're a shakedown artists. They're yeah. just muscle guys. They start a construction company eventually, but it's just a front for all of their kind of criminal enterprises, which mainly involves shaking down the business owners of the whatever this town is. Uh, what's it called? It's called Fart Springs or something yeah. stupid. <laughs> like, like it's fucking really dumbass shit. It's, uh, it's like 15 minutes into this movie. It's been all montages, like a series of yeah. montages with voiceover. This shakedown montage is just the fucking worst man they're going to all these different stores and shaking down the people they go to an italian restaurant i'm an italian i know shake it down you you shake it down me (laughs) they put his face into his meat sauce he lifts it up with a meatball in his mouth spits it out and goes that's a good deal or something that's a spicy deal that's the i mean they committed a day of shooting to making that bit (sighs) right god it's it it's so painfully unfunny it's insane Flash forward again, and we finally get to Eddie as Rasputia, and they're getting married. You know, uh, Rasputia's now Eddie Murphy in a fat suit and in, in women's clothes and stuff like we that. We get Dare Daniel favored Richard Gant as the preacher, <laughs> marrying the two. I love Gant. You also see Cat Williams, Eddie Griffin, and Michael Collier are in the audience. Those are famous comedians. Mm-hmm. 
Eddie Griffin and Cat Williams are pimps. They're ex-pimps. Ex-pimps. That's their whole bit is they're ex-pimps. But they still talk like pimps, dress like pimps, act like pimps. And at least like you know pimps. the comedy is going to be subtle. Right. Absolutely. Because <laughs> they were like, Cat Williams, Eddie Griffin, Cat Williams at... Let's just do both. Put them together. Why not? I mean, I have AT&T coverage, but Verizon, I hear, is also good. I don't want to miss out on that. I got to have both. What is the point of that? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, basically, Norbit has this motley group of friends that, just for the sake of plot expedience, also includes several of the town's most prominent business owners. Right. They, they all hang out together. <laughs> they all like him and Cat Williams and Eddie Griffith. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. So there's this whole bit of Rasputia leaping onto the bed in various kind of sexy, you know, mm-hmm. outfits and stuff. But it's hilarious because she's large. That that's the that's the that's just it. Every scene she's in, it's like, wow, look what she's wearing. Look yeah. what her hair looks like. Look, you know, she's leaping on someone, or she's just yelling at someone, or she's selling her catchphrase. Which is how you do her. But she doesn't does she yell that yet? She She doesn't actually do it until like halfway through the movie. And then it's nonstop. It's non fucking stop. I was like, wow. So yeah, she Respucia. We're we're in the present day now. Respucia, she's angry, she's abusive. We see her threatening an old woman and her dog. Right. Um, she's just a horrible person. As she lays in bed, she takes up ninety five percent of the bed. Her snoring is basically farting. She's just fart snores. I didn't laugh at it in the movie, but I laughed at your description of it. <laughs> the brothers, Latimer brothers, who include Terry Crews. Who's moving every muscle at every time. He's just really, really, really going for it. They shake down Mr. Wong, who refuses to sell the orphanage. So this is sort of like, I guess, your plot, if you will, which yeah. is that the Latimers want the orphanage and Mr. Wong refuses to sell. Okay. We now meet Marlon Wayans. How much? How excited were you when Marlon Wayans came on as Buster, brother, Rasputia's power tap teacher? That's not funny. No. Well, Dan, <laughs> I think a tap dancing exercise. Did you not see tap. that he had a Jerry curl with a ponytail? <laughs> did you not see he had buck teeth, Daniel? Ooh. Are you missing the humor? I was. It was a little too subtle for me. Really, I just I missed that. I'm like, okay, Marlon Wayans is putting effort in. They're doing. Uh, he's making him do all kinds of dances. Then they're doing close-ups of him between people's legs and scenes that go on way too long. Oh. Eddie Murphy and him are not in the same room on no, the same day no, no. until until they are, and it's a totally different set. Yeah, so Buster and Respucia are flirting. Respucia asks for some private lessons. And sure enough, Norbit comes home early one day to find them in bed together. But Norbit is such a loser that the t- Buster actually just talks his way out of it. <laughs> and Respucia basically threatens her way out of it yep. and just tells him to shut up. It didn't happen. They, she was just learning tap dancing while they were having sex. It's a bed. recreation of that Eddie Murphy bit in Raw where he's talking about getting caught cheating and just right. like, didn't do it. Didn't do it. Wasn't me. Yeah. So... Rasputia, again, she just threatens Norbit um, with violence. And then when he says, no, you 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 did it. You had sex. You're a whore. She chases after him and just tears through the neighborhood, just destroying absolutely everything. This is one path. of the first times of where Eddie Murphy, as Norbit, takes off his wedding ring, puts it in the dumpster, and walks away. And I'm like, okay, he's leaving her. That's great. This happens several times where some reason he's just back with her he's the next just scene. back there. Yeah. yeah. We also find out now that like he's a puppeteer. Like, puppets are really important to him? <laughs> <You're> fucking right. 
<laughs> he does puppet shows for the kids down at the Golden Wonton. Yeah, but his uh, his own anxieties are slipping in because then suddenly the character, the pig, of course, is talking like Rasputia, and then the other puppet is talking like him, and they're getting very profane and, 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 and angry. And it's like, okay, that'd be funny if it's like, or I mean, I don't know if it'd be funny directly the way it is, but I could see that being a, a certain way you're doing that in front of kids, and it's really the aggressions coming out. But he starts going, you're a fucking bitch whore, stuff like that. I mean, that's not that's paraphrasing, but that's the intent. <laughs> really Queen of whores, bitch. Yeah. And uh, it's just, I, I wrote down, is this a kid's movie? What is it? Who is this fucking for? It's, yeah, it's amazing. The pimps have license plates that say pimp and hose. I can, I can imagine a kid watching, mommy, what's, <laughs> what? what's their license plate mean? <laughs> So yeah, Norbit goes back to the orphanage and performs for the kids, yep. basically. My, the thing is, Norbit is just like a good guy, yeah. but he's just so weak and so so put upon his entire life. He does nothing and just allows people to kind of walk all over. There's him. one line in the movie where you realize why Norbit takes this abuse. It's because he, he felt like he had a home. He felt right. like he had family. Yeah, the Lattimores a... gave him a family. They gave him turkey ass. Yes. <laughs> But who comes back to the orphanage now? And it's Kate. Remember lit. the girl that he used to poop with? Tandy Newton lit like a dream sequence. Tandy Newton is a dream sequence. Holy moly. So she comes back, and they just immediately, she's like, I'm into you. Even though you're like really unattractive. Dude, like Norbit is just a total nerd. Right? Yeah. Like he's got big glasses, and he talks like this. And yeah. He's got a big, dumb afro, and he just looks like shit. Right? Yeah. Like he looks, but she's just like, wow, I'm way into you. Even though, hey, look at me. I look like Tandy freaking Newton, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but I'm way into you. Because this is one of those comedies where ridiculously beautiful women love the... The schlub. The turd schlub of a loser hero for no reason. Whatever. Anyway, she comes back. She's not fat, and therefore she is a good person. <laughs> She's come back to take over the orphanage. And they set up a date. Norbit is so happy about this date. He is like singing, like, "Oh, we're gonna go out on Friday. We're gonna go out on he Friday." He just says Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. He even like as Buster comes into the house to have sex with Respucia, just lets him in. And I thought that was like, a funny scene. Yeah, it was a good bit. But wah, wah, she brings her fiance on this date. She forgot to mention that. And it's Cuba Gooding Jr. Oscar winner. Sure, Cuba Gooding Jr. It takes. A line of dialogue for everybody to realize what Tandy Newton cannot realize, that this guy is awful and she should not be with him. Absolutely. It's ridiculous how quick they get to that. They don't they don't let you go a scene or two scenes and then show us something about right. it. Right. Like, there's it's, not even like 60, like 10 seconds of him doting on her and her going like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then he just turns into a shithead. He, something like that? He go, Yeah, right. He goes, just gets to a shithead place right away. It's so He says to Norbert, he goes, shame on you letting a girl go like this in front of her. She was adopted. And he's making Norbert feel like shit for not fighting the adoption at age nine. Shame on you, Norbert. Shame on you. You deserve your life of hell. Wow. This peace right here. So yeah, it doesn't go as Norbit planned. Uh, in the next scene, Rasputia is in the car and she's singing Pussycat Dolls. Hey. Don't you wish your girl was hot like me or whatever that song goes. But the joke, uh, Quirky, is a little under the radar here. She is fat. <laughs> and therefore, no, we we don't wish that you were... No. It, I did laugh at the first time the car seat titty joke where titty touched the horn and then... <laughs> 
So, yeah, now Respucia, you remember the first time that we saw Eddie Murphy as Respucia after the wedding? She threatened her neighbor because her neighbor had a dog. I don't know, the dog doesn't even do anything, but nope. Respucia just hates everyone and everything, so she threatens the dog. And as she's driving in the car with Norbit, she sees the neighbor and it's like, I'm just going to hit the dog with the car. That's and it. she does. Yeah, you really, I really but, was like, they're not going to do this, right? They're yeah, not they're gonna not going to do that. It's going to be some kind of weird misthing. No, she does hit the dog, but ha ha ha, she only cripples it. I think that they did, yeah. I think they killed the dog, and then they there's, you can't kill the dog, and they reshot that. Because the, the next scene, he's playing the dog's in the hospital, Respucia. <laughs> but this is the first time we hear, how you doing? Yeah. That's the catchphrase. That I, and I did, totally didn't get the try-to-be-Medea try thing, but you're 100% right? correct. Yeah. yeah. She says, Bart, how you doing? And I wrote, I don't get this. Is what Did I miss something? Was there a joke there? It just becomes, it. yes, every scene is punctuated with that. That's it. I don't, yeah, how are you doing? Okay. So Norbit decides, this is it. This I'm is out it. of here. Once again, I'm the final straw. I'm leaving. And she says that she is with child. And Norbit reluctantly stays. But in literally the next scene, which is like this town fair. Yeah, right. This backlot town fair that is going on. It, it's the it's like the courthouse square in Back to the Future. You <laughs> yes. see this thing from four oh, different right. angles. Yeah. So once again, Dion, which this is the the Kate's oh, yeah. fiance. Cuba Gooding Gooding Jr. Jr. He's just dropping red flags everywhere he goes. There's this whole bouncy house uh scene where Rasputia chases some kid into the bouncy house, yep. but she's, she's bouncing up and down. Of course, the kids are getting launched out everywhere. One girl just flies and lands right next to Cat uh, Williams and Eddie Griffin, and one of them says, it's raining little white women, and the other one says, my prayers have been answered. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. That's so... Animal House did this joke where a Playboy playmate flies through a kid's window and he says, thank you, God. Right. And this is a child dreaming about an older woman provocatively dressed. This is two pimps who see an 11-year-old girl. Child. A child. It's raining white women. It's raining little white women. Oh! Oh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Get the joke in there. Eddie Murphy, Charlie Murphy, and Nabokov wrote this. <laughs> so Respucia, after this, she she sees Norbit, who is now dancing with Kate. And this Kate's scene, like, yeah, go Norbit, go. This is the most uncomfortable, forced. Now, okay, let's talk about, is Tanya Newton good? Is Tanya Newton? A good actress. Oh, it's uh, I'd say it's questionable. Is it unfair to hold her to judge her by this performance? Well, no, it's not fair to judge anyone by this performance. Okay, but because uh, I, I, I don't think she's really that great of an actor. Yeah, okay. I, th- this movie turned me because I wasn't sure, but this movie's like, no, you know what? She fails to deliver. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. And we're calling her Tandy Newton and Cuba Gooding Jr. because that's the depth of their characters. <laughs> right, yes. So anyway, she sees uh, Respucia sees Norbit dancing with Kate and just basically knocks him out and puts him in the hospital. Hilarious. Uh, Dion now meets the Lattimore brothers. Dion's ready to skip town. He's, he's like, I, I, I don't know why he's ready to skip town. What is his <laughs> he's con? He's got this even? great thing going, and he's he, like, he's I'm a out con here. man, but his con is no con. Have sex and then leave. The Lattimores know just to pull up to this guy Dion. They don't know <laughs> at the house. They don't know. 
So they get Dion to come into this scheme, which is to open a titty bar in the orphanage called Niplopolis. He's ready to leave until they say the words titty bar. Okay. There's like as if there's not a million other titty bars. It's fully in now. Nippleopolis. Nippleopolis, yes. They got blueprints. And they need him to get married to Kate, basically, <laughs> because Kate is buying the or- Kate is going to oh, f- I mean it doesn't. It's Kate's buying Kate's gonna save the orphanage somehow. Yeah. Um uh, buy it for Mr. Wong, I guess. And they don't want to. Huh. So, we we uh, there's also a bit where when Norbert's in the hospital, Kate comes to visit him, and she's leaning over him, looking at his heartbeat go up, and the heartbeat keeps going up. She's putting her boobs in his face, and and I'm like, Kate's fucking oblivious. Kate, I don't know how she got to be a successful businesswoman because <laughs> she cannot see that this man is having an erection and his heartbeat because she's thrusting her tits in his face. And in this scene where she visited in the hospital, she, she's like pressuring Norbit, again, who is in the hospital, by the way, to come to this uh, water park <laughs> with right. the orphanage. Like Kate's they're taking all the orphans to the water park. And when he's like, I don't know, Kate, I don't know, she actually pulls out the defibrillator <laughs> and threatens to electrocute him. And he's like, oh, hang on a little bit. <laughs> I thought it was a, kind of a funny bit just because Kate is such a sweet person throughout the entire movie. She's yeah. like absurdly, like not believably sweet. And then all of a sudden she's just like, Playfully threatens to murder. <laughs> I will fucking Norbert. kill you. <laughs> but Dion, Dion now wants to rush the marriage. He was getting obviously he was about to skip town. Now he's got this deal with the Lattimore, so he tells Kate that he wants to move up the date. Yeah. Uh, now that we go to the water park, okay. Yep. So this is this water park thing that they're taking the kids to the orphanage to the water park. I just, who fucking cares? But anyway, Respucia's like, oh, I'm going to the water park. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Respius is large. We've established that, right? She's large, but she dresses uh, appropriate to her size. Mm. No. Oh. Opposite. Is a bathing suit on a large person just inherently funny? That's just funny. That's just funny. (laughs) She has to move her fat out of the way to show she has bottoms on. And they hit hit it going through the turnstile. They hit it with their costume. (laughs) They hit it where she's laying down. And this is really where the how you dare. Oh. It, it becomes like the punchline to every scene. It yep. becomes the little stinger to every single scene. So we have in this the water slide scene, which, of course, if you saw, this was like the centerpiece of all of the marketing Yeah, when this movie was released back in early 2007, which is Rasputia going up. Basically, Rasputia sees Kate go down this water slide and it's like, well, whatever. She's all jealous and stuff. So she goes down. But again... I don't know if we mentioned it yet. She's a very large woman. Mm. So she goes down really fast and then flies through a wall (laughs) onto a kiddie pool, drains the kiddie pool. There's a little child sitting next to her, and she just says, how you (laughs) do That's that's, I can't even just like... uh, oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. So now Norbit is kind of forced to sneak around because Reshbusha is so jealous about Kate. So he keeps coming up with these reasons. Basically, he comes up with like, hey, I got to go do this. I got to go clean this thing. And Respucia says, go do it yourself. And then he goes off and hangs out with Kate, who teaches him to ride a bike. This is, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but that sets up for later for the ending, the Norbert's grand romantic gesture of saving the wedding. So, well, again, yeah, just more Rasputia jokes. There's this whole slow-mo car wash to milkshake. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. There's this waxing scene yeah. where, of course, a 
hilarious amount of hair gets waxed off. On these series of kind of dates that resp- uh, that Kate and Norbert are going on, you see that the old businessmen of the town are watching them and cheering Norbert right, on. Yeah. And Michael Collier, who was sitting with the pimps <laughs> in the church, is now sitting with them because now he's a barbershop <laughs> business owner. Like Michael Collier's like, no, I'm more identified with and I just started calling them the old ethnics because that's what they are. There's an old Jewish man, an old Italian man, an old Chinese Absolutely. man. Absolutely. So again, Ed, uh, Norbit is getting closer and closer to Kate. Eddie Griffin and Cat Williams give Norbit a pimplicious makeover. Sure. And Kate's into it. She just digs it. She's like, you're looking good, Norbit. And their date is going so well that Norbit, essentially kind of puppeteered by the Lattimores, gets Kate to sign yeah. these papers that is going to see control of the orphan. Because the Lattimores and Dion somehow knew Norbit was the key to this thing and that she would sign it only if Norbit gave it to her. We also... Norbit has seen a thing um, in the hospital. He saw an ad for a background checks by mail. Right. And he see a scene of him surreptitiously sending out for a background check. And it's Rob Hubel. Is Rob that Hubel. Who, if you have ever watched a television show, he's been in at least one episode <laughs> of it. <laughs> or Kirsten Shaw. Kirsten Shaw was in there earlier, wanted yes. to be a hoe very much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Rasputia sees this date which it ends up at the church where norbit yeah. and kate are doing a practice wedding with the, as you said the, the great richard gant this is actually less believable than the water slide physics <laughs> know, right that this woman would go through her wedding rehearsal with norbit with on, norbit on a date and the priest is just there hanging He's out like, okay, ready to do it let's do it let's make this happen and Rasbuja is in her car and literally drives by the moment that they come in for the kiss and sees it through an open door as she's driving by. It's like, what? This doesn't make any sense. But anyway, she sees this, passes out behind the wheel, car crashes, but her gigantic breasts essentially act as airbags and she's fine. See, everything comes back, man. It's good screenwriting. Great bit. Boiling Springs is the name of the Boiling town. Springs. Yeah, there you go. Kate's staying at the Boiling Springs uh, bed and breakfast. Yeah. So Rasputia now has just absolutely insane. She throws literally throws Norbit out of a window. Throws him out of a window. At which point the dog, the maimed dog, who is kind of wheeling around on his uh, top, you know, front two legs, comes up to him and says, "Kill the bitch." Yeah. Like literally says it. Eddie Murphy in Love his fourth leash role. Style. <laughs> <laughs> the dog comes up and says. My name is Alvin Flang. I'm Kill the name. bitch. <laughs> you pizza face turnstile or block. cinder block? <laughs> Kill the pizza face cinder block, bitch. Ice the bitch. <laughs> it's either Eddie Murphy or Charlie Murphy. It's a it's a Chmurphy. It's one of the Chmurphys. Yeah, sure. Uh, Chetty Chetty Chmurphy. <laughs> but Rasputia now threatens to harm Kate if if Norbit ever sees her again. So now Norbit. Kate comes and is like, hey, Norbit, what, what the fuck? And, and Norbit kind of nags her and is like, nah, get out of here. I don't like you. I'm yeah. A Norbit does a heel turn from the basement. Yeah. So she takes off crying to go get married. And now it's <laughs> like, all right, well, if you're not into me, then I'll marry this guy I don't love. So Norbit is now ready to run away. But Mr. Wong intercepts him and gives him a pep talk and says like, but the male, the male is here today? Yeah, it's a racist ex machina. Yeah, where uh, an old Chinese man walking down the street, Eddie Murphy <laughs> talks to Eddie Murphy in this scene, and it, it, Mr. Wong just says the most horrible shit. Sure, and I think maybe they thought that was their way out of Eddie Murphy doing yellow face. Right, it's that he got to be racist back on other. I I don't know, but he leaves him like a, 
and maybe this is my racism, but it's like a fortune cookie thing. He's right, like, right. mail come late Friday. He talks like Tonto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, in the mail is this background check that Eddie has sent for on Dion. I mean, that's never actually specified. But it's not. Just, it's hidden. It's We just kind of assume. Yeah, it's just plugged in. So the wedding, though, is about to happen, but the Lattimores kidnap Norbit and hold him against his will so that this well, wedding can go on because they need Dion to marry Kate so that Dion will have control of the orphanage and give it to the Lattimore. I mean, what the fuck? One Lattimore stays to watch it. One Lattimore. That's Who blue. instantly starts doing s- Buster's power <laughs> tap. <laughs> he puts in Marlon Wayans' power tap tape. Because of course the fuck he does, right? Like, it's just like, what's the most obvious dumb fucking thing you could do there? Fuck. So, the wedding, Eddie Griffin and Cat Williams decide to disrupt the wedding. Yes. To buy Norbit time to get free and to get there. And it is just as funny as you would expect. <laughs> Cat Williams and Eddie Griffin just doing bits to disrupt a wedding. It, it hits exactly every note you it's would think. It's Dion from Saving Christmas... But with some actual comic timing. <laughs> and it's one of the rare videos I've seen of Cat Williams recently where he doesn't get beat up by random strangers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Norbit, we didn't mention it, but there are a, there's at least half a dozen slapstick chases yeah. in this movie. Right. I, I mean, that's a conservative estimate, too. So he gets slapped, Norbit gets slapstick chased. To the church because he, f- a- he frees himself and he gets on a bike. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He's riding down there. Uh, Kate taught him how to ride a bike. Real ET moment. He gets into the church and exposes Dion and the Lattimores. Uh, for- he falls in a pond, a water pond. Yeah, I should specify. So when he comes into the church, he says, "Hold on, the wedding." And he and he and he says, I- "You can't do this. Dion's no good for you." If you thought the timing of their <laughs> Fake or wedding rehearsal kiss where Respucius is driving by, sees it through the open door. He's like, Dion's a fraud. He's got several ex-wives. And I got the proof right here. And they're like, well, show us the proof. He opens it up. It's all blurry from the water pond. It takes him two minutes to explain why it's blurry and they can't. Dion's laughing at him. And he's like, oh, yeah, well... Come in, girls. <laughs> From the side door come in three women with children all around. Have they been waiting there the whole time for Norbit to make his entrance? Why did he do any of that stuff? Why did they wait outside? And why did it have to be at the right moment? And he just, he escaped. Like, I, the, the, the logic of this does not make any sense. No. I mean, and I'm talking about a movie where I'm buying the logic of a talking dog. <laughs> But I'm not buying this. Not buying that. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it looks like Kate's going to side with Dion, but then all of his ex-wives and kids show up. They prove Norbert right. And then all of the business owners of this small town now start fighting back against Rasputia and the Lattimores, mainly against Rasputia, in a very Roadhouse-style kind of uh, denouement to the film. Because if you remember in Roadhouse, the film Roadhouse. Yeah, the movie about a famous... Bouncer. Yeah, the movie ends with like all of the local business owners coming in and killing Ben Gazar. Anyway, a spoiler alert for a thirty-one-year-old uh, movie. So the business owner fight back, and Mister Wong. You remember, remember Mister Wong and the harpoon. He harpoons her. It's, so that came up like a, literally a hundred minutes later. That callback, and of course, he right says, in the bro hole. Right in the bro hole. And you get a yakety sex runoff. She, it's a sped up yeah. runoff of, uh, but it's and Eddie Murphy wasn't going to run that far in that suit, so they had to CGI the runoff. 
Yeah, so the Lattimores get chased out of town, and in Norbert's wrap-up narration, he, him and Kay get married for real under their tree. Once again, uh, Ron... Uh, Ron Gant? Yes, Ron Gant. Yeah. He had (laughs) Richard Gant. Uh, And the Lattimores go and open Nippolopolis in Mexico. And who do you think is their featured dancer? Rasputia. Get it? Because she's fat. End of movie. End of fucking movie. Oh, man. It's just. There's just it's just not funny. No. It's just not funny. No. My fiance joined me for like the last 30 minutes of this movie, and I was like, I kept saying to her, Eddie Murphy is a fucking genius. He's a fucking genius. Why does he do this? You can see that he works, and I can't get over that there's three separate distinct characters consistently played, and yet it's saying fart racist <laughs> poop jokes. It's so much effort put into that. So much effort. And Eddie, like, he is good. Yeah. He is not just winking at you. No. Norbit is just Norbit. Norbit's Norbit. It's not like Eddie Murphy is kind of like, you know, feel sad for for me, Eddie Murphy, or anything like that. I don't know. It's just weird. You think back to Nutty Professor, especially the first Nutty Professor. Mm -hmm. That really was a great performance. And I think what surprised people about that was that, yeah, make fun of fat people. Sure, yeah, it, and it does, but it also at the same time is saying, you know what, you deserve respect. You deserve something. You know, you are still a human being. Sherman Clump ultimately is a really good guy, and you feel for him, and you like him, and you empathize with him. You know what I mean? And that was a beat to Eddie Murphy that you had never really seen before. Mm-hmm. You'd seen the making fun of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd seen the mean kind of angry part of Eddie Murphy, and it was hilarious. I yeah. mean, I'm nothing against that. But you had not seen that sort of vulnerability, and you had not seen that kind of like empathy and those levels to him. There's none of that here. No. Like, it's just mean and angry. There's no sense of like, let's ever empathize with Rasputia. Nope, exactly. Because I was trying to think, I'm like, well, why is Rasputia like this? From jump, she is screeching and a bully, right? Why it's because of movies like this yeah. that people like that might develop those anger issues. I I think that's partly it. It never takes the side of anybody. Yeah, it's all being all the time. Yeah, and again, Mr. Wong, even you know, yeah. really, even he is not built up to be an empathetic character. No, He's just he a mean, angry. Flat racist. out says, "I hate blacks. I hate Jews." But they like Chinese food. Ugh, boy, boy, boy. All right. Well, anything to say before we uh, final thoughts before we give our ratings, Quirky? Uh, no, um, I will go to my grave saying Eddie Murphy's a comedic genius and, uh, it, I love seeing him in my name is Dolomite. That was a energetic performance and Agreed. he didn't look, he didn't look, a th- it was like Eddie Murphy tried not to disappear into makeup. He didn't look a thing like Rudy Ray Moore, but he got his mannerisms down he got the behavior down. Yeah. And, I mean, that's impressive, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he was Eddie actually, Murphy's just a little guy. Rudy, Rudy Ray, Ray Moore is a big dude. And it, I, to me, Rudy Ray Moore is accidentally funny. Ed, right. Ed Murphy was actually funny as Rudy Ray sure. Moore, you know. So, uh, but but when he he his his output in this stuff, it's just it's mind boggling. That's why I was fascinated to do Norbit, and I was glad Mister Wolfie Positivity Wolfie T dared us. Thank you very much, Mr. Positivity. So let's give our ratings for it. Just to remind everyone, run-of-the-mill bad film is a dare. Next level bad is a double dare. 
And a movie we actually liked is Reverse Dare Quirky Rating for Norbit. I'm going double dare, double wide, double dare. Double. This, this dare would take up all the space <laughs> in bed. It's a Rasputia dare. A Rasputia-sized dare. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am just going to go dare. Okay. It is a bad movie. Yes. I got to give some love to Eddie. I mean, again, he really does go for it, and you kind of admire it. I, I, I put up that analogy of a great athlete who is playing on a terrible team and is going to lose most games that he plays, but yeah. you still have to say, man, that guy is an amazing athlete. Sure. But boy, can you just do better work? Just Ugh. be better and do better. There's my thought. Be better. So, Corky, just before we close out, we had talked at the beginning about the sort of connection to Dreamgirls and the fact that Eddie was considered to be the front runner to win Best Supporting Actor for Dreamgirls in the Oscars that happened in early 2007. And then this movie, the ads came out and it seemed like that maybe torpedoed his chances. And people said, well, you know what? This is the same old Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. This, this, the Dreamgirls is an outlier. Eddie Murphy is still Eddie Murphy. If you are a 30 Rock fan... Season 5, Episode 10, Episode Christmas Attack Zone, in that Tracy Jordan is nominated for a Golden Globe role for his role in the feature. Hard to watch, but realizes that in order to win, he needs to act as a serious actor. So he buys the rights to his new movie, The Chunks 2, A Very Chunky Christmas, (laughs) to block distribution and improve his chances. So that is the plot of that one. So if you want to go back and watch that episode, Season 5, Episode 10 of 30 Rock, which is on Netflix and a million other places. It has that tie to Norbit and uh, Dreamgirls. That's awesome. So that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Yeah. Where can people find you doing your hilarious Asian character? Oh, you can find me doing my hilarious Asian character at the Pig Pit, the (laughs) barbecue pit uh, place run by former pimps, where I'll be selling beef brisket, uh, handies, and suck-offs. Nice. (laughs) That's a real bit from Norbit. You can see me at the Sacramento Comedy Spot, Saturdays, Fridays, Anti-Cooperation League, uh, teaching classes. Come on down, have fun, take classes. Delightful. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is not Johnny Flores. It used to be. Used to be, but it's not anymore, and I have not updated the script. Sound Guy Jimmy, where are you? We had, we introduced Sound Guy Jimmy the first time. Sound Guy Jimmy knows his place. <laughs> Unlike a certain... Ex-producer of this show. No sound guy, Jimmy. (laughs)